0: we know that to be true for we've seen it time and time again how you've come through for one after another after another Lord that we have a promise Lord that if we could have the right mental attitude toward any promise of God it would bring it to pass Lord if there's one the way you did it for one if someone would meet the same requirements you'd do the same thing over again Father, we thank you that you're always faithful. Lord, help us, Lord, that we could be more sincere. Lord, that we could come and just come into your presence with a great thanksgiving, Lord. And Father, a desire and a hunger for you. And truly, that's what's here tonight, Lord. And for you are here in our midst, and you said if two or three would gather together. Not just mentioning the name of Jesus, but Lord, we've gathered in your name. We've come, Lord Jesus, with expectation that Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, would come and speak to us. That our Redeemer and our lover would come and speak once again, Lord. and Father, we ask that you would have the preeminence. Thank you, Lord, that you're pleased with the songs that we sing. Thank you, Father, for the people that have gathered together. Thank you for those who have streamed in, Lord, that, Father, they might receive from you. and Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, that you would come and break it once more, Lord. We commit it to you now in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's take our Bibles together. Thank you, Brother Michael. Amen. Turn to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 59. Amen. I want to welcome each of you to the house of the Lord. It's sure good to be here, isn't it? Amen. 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 Sorry, just this thing's bugging me. I don't know why. But Isaiah chapter 59, I want to just take a thought tonight on raising the standard in Zion, raising the standard in Zion. And and I want to just mention it's not so much that it's a standard of, of a dress code or how we act, but a standard that he raises is, a, is an ensign of war. It's a banner. That his banner over us is love. And I want to just take it from Isaiah, familiar scripture. We like to quote this all the time, but to read it from the scripture now in verse, 50, verse 19. It says, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. Then the enemy shall, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him, and the Redeemer shall come to Zion, and unto them that turn from transgressions in Jacob, saith the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant, saith the Lord. My spirit that is upon thee and my words which I have put in thy mouth shall not depart out of thy mouth nor out of the mouth of thy seed nor out of the mouth of thy seeds seed saith the Lord from henceforth and forever Amen may the Lord's blessing to the word you may be seated I wonder if you could just turn with me over to John chapter 12. I know it always gets a little bit scary when a minister speaks about time, but Lord willing, we won't take a lot of time tonight. I'd like to keep it a little more precise. I was just thinking the other day of how many of the services recently have gone on beyond an hour and things. I thought, my. The people here are, are, are so, such fine character to sit through us ministers that just long-winded after long-winded after long-winded. God bless you. Really, God bless you. Not a complaint. It's wonderful. Amen. Amen. For those of us that get up and speak, it's just reaping what we sow. But for those of you who don't speak, it's, it's grace. Thank you. Amen. John chapter 12, verse 23. This is Jesus as he's speaking, and he, he, he'd just been anointed at Bethany in the earlier part of this chapter, and then he'd gone through and come down into Jerusalem in the triumphal entry. But now, he sought out, and he, he begins to speak, and Jesus says in verse 23, he says, the hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. He says, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Amen. It doesn't live. You could have a seed, but if you only have a seed, it'll only ever be one seed. It's never going to just multiply on its own, but you have to do something with it. It has to be planted and it has to die. In other words, it has to look bleak before it can look good. It has to go down into a trial. It has to go through something that's hard before it can come into something that's beautiful and glorious. But it has to go through that process. And here Jesus is even speaking, saying, You have me. You have the one to seed, you've got the, the firstborn, you've got Jesus, you've got the, the, the Son of Man, but he says, I must die so that there could be many more come like unto me, like unto the Son of Man, that now they could come forth and they could be many. Amen. So he's saying there's a purpose behind it here. And he says, he that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. Amen. I love that that, that is not the carnal version of today. This isn't a silly trick that we say, oh, if you really hate your life, I'll just give you more life. And it's just a a jokes on you kind of thing. No, but he's saying, you hate the fact that you were born in sin, shaped in iniquity, came to the world's peak lie. You've been looking for something greater. He says, you'll find it because if you seek righteousness, you'll find it. If, If you hunger and thirst for it, you will be filled. But for those that are just in love with their life, in love with what they have, he says, you'll lose it. Why? Because you didn't seek what's eternal. Amen, that's nothing new to us, but now it says, if any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. Now I I don't really feel I could say this with enough emphasis and enough justice of of the the, the feeling that Jesus is saying this with. The feeling that he's speaking, we couldn't express it under our own human without getting under that feeling where he's realizing what he's coming to and what has to be done, where he's beginning to even cry out within himself, saying, oh, Father, that this hour would pass from me, save me from this hour, from this cause came I unto this hour. He says, but Father, glorify thy name. Then come hear a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Hallelujah. In other words, he's exactly laying out the parable you've just laid out. The seed has to go in the ground and die. I've glorified that seed and I'll bring it forth again. Amen, and it says, and, and, and when they heard the voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified and glorified again, and the peoples therefore that, that stood by, they heard it, and, and when they, that they understood, and said that, and said that it thundered, there it is, stripping over my words, they said that it thundered, some of them didn't understand what it was, We've, we've had that happen in our generation where there was a voice that spoke over the Ohio River where he's baptizing, and some said it thundered, some said they heard it, some, why? Because some, it wasn't for them. But as some said an angel spake to him. But Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sake. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus wasn't looking at it saying, Okay, I needed that encouragement. He was the Word. He knew what had to happen. He knew what he had to go through. And he was himself speaking from heaven. Because it was Jesus speaking and the Father was speaking. They are both and the same. Amen. So he's saying, it didn't come because of me. I didn't, this didn't happen because I needed to hear a voice. This happened for you. This happened because you needed to hear it. It says, now is the judgment for the, of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Hallelujah. Amen. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. No way in the future. In other words, he's setting the ball in motion. Yeah. We know that we're living in Satan's Eden right now. But, he's, but, but and the Satan thinks he's in control. But Jesus is saying 2,000 years ago, now is the prince of this world cast out. In other words, all, all these things that are going to happen, all these things, because so I'm setting a ball in motion that there's victory. And how is it going to happen? He says, and if I be lifted up, if I be lifted up from the earth, then will will draw all man unto me. In other words, he has to be lifted up. There has to be a, a, an ensign. There has to be a banner lifted up. There has to be something that's lifted to show what these people are standing for. To show what the purpose is behind the movement. And Jesus said unto them, if you go go down to verse, go down to verse 35, we'll just skip over that. And it says, in verse 35, it says, And Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. walk, well, you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whether he goeth. While you have light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. Now, I say it seems so simple. Yet those who can't see it, to them, it's just It's all darkness. But when your eyes become open and you begin to realize that there's light, he says, walk while you have the light. Don't wait till the times get hard and something gets taken away. Walk while you have the light. Let's jump down to verse 44. Forgive me for reading so much and just, just carrying on through it. But Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me believeth not on me. But on him that sent me. And he that seeth me seeth him that sent me. I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. If any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to the world to judge, but to save the world. Now he's speaking of his first coming. But then the very next verse is, But he that rejecteth me, receiveth not my words, hath one that judges him the word. That I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. He says, For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me the commandment which I should say, that what I, and, and what I should speak, and I know that his commandment is life everlasting, and whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. The son could do nothing but what he sees the father doing first. Amen. He wasn't speaking anything but what the father gave him to speak. In other words, he was only speaking the word. He said, I didn't come this time to judge you. I came here for this purpose that the son of man might be lifted up. I came here so that I could draw a man unto me. I came here so that I could save. So that I could bring salvation to the world. So that I could put the atonement into full effect. So that I could bring all of these things. But... There's coming in the last day, this day, where now he says, Whosoever rejects this word, that this word will judge them. Hallelujah. And it wasn't just a man speaking, it was God speaking that we have to receive the light, as he said to the disciples. And he began to ask them, um, um, Will you also go from me? And they turned to him and said, To who will we go? Thou alone hast the words of eternal life. You alone have the light for this day. You alone have the way so we can see the pathway clear in front of us. Amen. We've had the the, the teachings of the Pharisees for so many years. We've had 400 years without a prophet. We've had all these things and nothing's good has come from it. But finally there's someone here that's making it all live. Hey man, you you get what I'm saying? That finally what's happened, we've had generation after generation after denomination after denomination that has risen up and risen up, but finally there came one. That Jesus came in, lived through, and made the scripture live again in our day, so that finally we could see this is the light. So while there's light, walk in the light. Don't go to a different way. This is the word, this is the end sign of war. That is raised up against the enemy. He's not going to raise another one up. He's not going to raise up and say, well, maybe that was wrong. Maybe we need to fight flesh and blood now. No, he raised up the word of God. And he said, this is what will be the judgment. This is the end sign. This is what people are going to be judged by in the last day. And the only way he could make it a judgment is he had to bring about a seventh angel message that would unlock all the mysteries in it so that there could be no more excuse. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Now, I want to take from the message when their eyes were opened in 1956. Philip Branham talks about omnipotence and he says omnipotence spoke at every junction. We know he speaks on this and we'll get into a little bit when he preaches the message junction of time. There's junctions that happen in time and this is one of them where Jesus says the hour has come. In other words, Brother Brown says that was signifying there's a junction in time here. And what's happening at this time, this is the last few words in this chapter uh, chapter 12 that Jesus speaks to anyone other than his disciples before before he's crucified. And begins to impart uh, wisdom and revelation unto them. If you go down to verse 13, he's, he's there wash the disciples' feet. He's, he's at, the, at the Last Supper, and then he dismisses Judas. And then he goes into verse, chapter 14, he's speaking to his disciples. Chapter 15, he's speaking to his disciples. Chapter 16, to his disciples. Chapter 17, he's praying. But now in chapter 12, he's speaking to the Gentiles. Come to me, speaking to them. And some of the last words, what is it? It's the omnipotent God. He's saying, I didn't speak of myself. It was omnipotence, almighty power, that was speaking. He says, an omnipotence spoke at every junction, and when the church cooled off and the omnipotence spoke, miracles takes place. And this is the junction of all junctions. This is the end time. That's where we're right now. This is the end time. When Brother Bannam was here, what happened in 1963, the seven seals were revealed. They were taken off the book, and and we could see the mysteries that were revealed by the seven seals being taken off, and, and they were broken, and now finally what's happening? It's a junction of time, and it ushers in the end of time. He says, this is the junction of all junctions. This is the real deal. This is the ending. What's happening? Omnipotence has spoken again. He says, the end of the whole history of the world is right now at hand. So you can, see, you can expect omnipotence to speak. He says, and you can expect the greatest and the mightiest miracles that have ever happened on the earth will happen in the next few years to come. If Jesus tarries, it will be. Now remember, this is in 1956. He's speaking this. Let me say this. It wasn't raising the dead. That had already happened. Right? Jesus did it. Different ones have done it down through because God always answers to faith. But now it was, that wasn't what he was talking about. He's saying the greatest miracle. What were these miracles? That God, the Lamb, would come and take the book. This was a miracle that now that Jesus Christ himself would come down and live in a people, a miracle beyond what it has ever been before, that it wasn't just a portion of the Holy Spirit, but rather that God himself was coming down in a seventh seal. He's saying that you're going to see the greatest of miracles take place. He says, and watch for Satan to raise up to his too. He says, when all of heaven turns loose, all of hell turns loose. And it's prophesied there'd be a Janus and Drambus on the earth in the last days who would almost impersonate the real thing so close it'd deceive the very elected if possible. He said, we're looking for that too. He says, so my Christian friend, the best thing for you to do and for I to do is to stay close, just as close to the Lord Jesus as we can. Love him and pray daily that God will help us and guide us and will be on his side when the end finally comes. That's our desire of our heart. And I'm sure if we're sincere in our heart and study his word and receive all that he has for us, we'll not be deceived by the Antichrist and his power. Hallelujah. Now, I just want to say, even though the Antichrist is headed up in the Catholic Church, that is not deceiving to a believer. Are you with me? Nobody's looking at the Pope going, well, I think maybe he is the guy. If that's what you're thinking, I, you're really at the right place. Because there's no message believer that sat under the message of William Branham which is the seventh angel message. There's no one that sat and read the Bible and and under that kind of revelation and said, you know, I think the Pope or or the Catholic Church, or I see what they're doing. No, that's not what's deceiving. It's that the spirits that exist there would begin to creep into the church. That they would creep through different denominations and they would begin to creep in. How did it happen? How did Pentecost ever denominate? A spirit begin to creep in. That was the mother, the great whore, and she had daughters. Yeah. It was the same spirit that crept in. Right. They weren't looking at saying, We well, you know we need to be like the Catholic Church, but the spirit of the Catholic Church got in their midst. Amen. When message, churches aren't looking, and we're not looking and saying, we need to be like a bigger church. No, but we need to be careful lest it creeps in unawares. Yeah. He says, What do we need to do to be sure? We need to be sincere. Don't just take it any old way and just take the scripture and, well, we just love the Lord. No, be really sincere. And God, I want to do all that you've shown me to do. And number two, study the word. Amen. Know the Bible. Know what it says. Know what the message says. Amen. So when someone will come in and say something off color, you'd know it right away. Amen. And number three, he says, and Receive. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You've got to have faith. You've got to receive the word. In other words, don't just intellectually understand it. You've got to receive it into your heart to be a reality in you. You have to receive all that he has for you. And what is all that he has for you today? Oh, how much time do you have now? What is all that he has for you today? The fullness of the inheritance that he himself has come down, that he wants to live in and through you to perfect you to be his bride. Hallelujah. Now that I've set up receiving all that he has, turn with me to the Song of Solomon. I love this book, but I, I don't preach on it often. Even though it's never been more pertinent than it is today. Because I believe we're not just a church flirting with Jesus. We're not among those flirters, as Brother Branham calls them. We're not just reading the scripture and say, oh, that's nice poetry. But we want to be sincere in the word and say, Lord, what is this trying to reveal to me? And down through the ages of time, men have looked at the Song of Solomon, and they've looked at it as poetry. They've looked at it as a song. Looked at it as a nice story, as a wonderful love letter. But there's something deeper to a bride and to a bridegroom. And we'll just read chapter two. which says, "I am the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valleys." As the lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. In other words, this wasn't the only one. We're not the only church. Brother Brown says, there'll be churches, churches. And he says, there'll be brides, brides. We weren't the only one. But he says, this one. Yes. Amen. This one is the, is the rose. This one is the lily among thorns. In other words, the rest of them to him were a bunch of thorns. To him, he says, this is the rose, this is the lily that I've been looking for. As the apple tree among the trees of the woods, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down under his shadow with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to his banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Praise be to God that God didn't set up a banner of oppression and servitude. He set up a banner of love where he said, this message that I've given you is my love being expressed as a bridegroom to his bride. He says, and, I charge, it says, and his left hand is under my head, and his right hand doth embrace me. In other words, you're in the embrace of God. Hey, man, there's so much in that scripture, but we'll go to verse 7. It says, I charge you, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, by the rose and by the hinds of the field, that you stir not nor awake my love till he please. I want you to catch this. When this is happening, when when he's speaking about this, is he sleeping? No, he's resting. In other words, this is speaking about a seventh seal. This is speaking about when all the work has been done and now the bridegroom is at rest and the bride begins to speak. Don't get all worked up in it, but enter into that rest. He says, the voice of my beloved, behold, he cometh, leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. My beloved is like the roll of the young harp, behold, he standeth behind our wall. He looketh forth at the windows, showing himself through the lattice. I hope you see that when you get into the message and you dig into the scripture, and as you get on your knees in prayer, that Jesus is showing himself through the lattice. That you may not see him as face to face, but you're there, you're catching glimpses after glimpses after glimpses of the glory of Almighty God. He says, my beloved spake and said unto me, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Amen. Hallelujah. There's a message that isn't for everybody else. There's a message that's just for the beloved. Say, rise up. What did this message say when it came? What it was the message for? It was Eliezer calling out a bride, saying, rise up. Come up. Come into heavenly places. Come where you can have fellowship with Elohim. I just want to encourage you tonight. So if this is all you're getting, praise the Lord. He says, and for lo, the winter is past. The rain is over and gone. Oh, hallelujah. we got to read that scripture all the time in fall time. The winter is past. It's got so much meaning, more meaning than that. All of the, the dark ages and the looking and the seeking—it's past. It's over. It's, it's springtime; is are coming up. It's not just the spring rains. The rain is over and gone. What happens after that? A ripening season when the winter's past when the sowing's done when the rain's done when all those things are over the sun comes down and begins to beat upon that wheat that was planted in the ground and it begins to ripen oh, yeah. arise, shine oh, yeah. thy light is come it says it's the fig tree put forth her green figs and the vines with her tender grape give a good smell Arise, my love, my fair one, come away. What's this is pointing to? Different signs that are happening around the signs of the times, saying, "Listen, what are these? Don't worry about them. Just come up. When you see these things happening, when you see the fig tree begin to put forth through leaves, come up." It says, "Oh, my dove, thou art in the clefts of the rock. Where's she hidden?" Hide me over in the rock of ages. Hide me over in Jesus. Where is he going to find his wife? Hiding in the rock. He's going to find her in the secret places of the stairwell. He says, Let me see thy countenance. Oh, I love this. Let me hear thy voice. He says, I spoke. Well, let me hear you speak back. Omnipotence has already spoken and the miraculous has taken place and is still taking place. He says, Let me hear your voice. Let me hear what you have to say. Let me hear you speak the word back to me because the words that I put in your mouth will not depart out of thy mouth. Oh, praise be to God. Oh, let me hear thy voice for sweet is thy voice. And thy countenance is comely. Tell us the fox, take us, the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. What are those little foxes that spoil the vines? If you take that over back to the scripture, it actually brings out the false prophets: The little foxes that spoil the vine, the ones that come in trying to sow the little tares in here and there. This says, no, the true word of God produces good fruit. Stay with that. My beloved is mine and I am his. He feedeth among the lilies. Until the daybreak and the shadows flee away, turn, my beloved. It's Brother Ed that said it and it's even... When Brother Branham saw him, it was the backside of a man. When Moses saw him, it was the backside of a man. And now he begins to speak, turn. Turn, my beloved. Turn, and be thou like a roe. This is the bride speaking. Be thou like a row of a young heart upon the mountains of Bethlehem. Now, that's, that's written incredibly poetic. But what it's saying is it's, it's it's a young maiden crying out, saying, "Turn unto me, consummate the marriage." Is exactly what the plea is. It's a desire, saying, "Don't walk away, don't show me your backside. Turn unto me. Let me bring, hold me in your embrace, consummate the marriage, put your seed in me." About as graphic as I can make it, so you can understand what is happening. The bride of Christ needs to come to this place where there's something within her crying out, I'm done with the backside. Turn around, Lord. Let me be in your embrace. For the bride of Christ, omnipotence is spoken. We had the message come forth. Omnipotence spoke in the seals. It wasn't a man breaking seals. It was Jesus Christ. It was the lamb that was slain. It was the light of the tribe of Judah that prevailed. He came forth. He broke the seals. It was omnipotence speaking in our day. And Brother Bantam says when omnipotence speaks, the miraculous always follows. So I ask you, what are we living in? Hallelujah. We're living under the seventh seal. God in silence now watching the miraculous unfold. Watching the greatest miracle lives turn from sinners into Jesus Christ on display. The day of the Lord is here. Belichai 4, familiar scripture to us all. Malachi 4, verse 5 says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. That's what we had. Elijah the prophet came and and he broke the seals and all of that he brought. After that, the message was to the bride after that. I want you to catch that the message was to the bride after that. Before that it was under a man anointing. That it was still under the same anointing that Pentecost was under. It was still under that anointing. But now after the seals there came an eagle anointing where it says, come up my love. My friend, come away. It says, I have received Elijah before the great to those that have caught that voice. To those who heard the voice. The voice wasn't for him. It was for you. To them who heard that voice, it's a great day. Oh, it's a wonderful day. But to those who don't, it's a dreadful day. Even those when Jesus came and his first coming when he was here, to those who heard the voice and maybe perhaps for a season it seemed like a bad day because here was God, Jesus being crucified, and even for the disciples for a season it seemed like a bad thing. You with me? It did for a season because they lost him. And they didn't have the full revelation of what was taking place. That this was the atonement being made. That all of the promises were about to come alive. And they didn't understand what was going on until Jesus came back again. And then he went away again. And then he came on the day of Pentecost. Till finally they had a revelation. This was a great day. But now, but to those who just, that was it. It was a terrible day. We lost him, man. We thought he was going to deliver us from the Romans. All hope was lost. And now you got these 12 guys going around like drunk men. There's more than that in the upper room, 120 in the upper room. Going around like drunk people, prophesying and speaking in tongues and all these things. Man, this is terrible. Jesus, I mean, he spoke. At least it was, aud- at least it was audible, right? Like it was in parables, but at least it was audible. But now these guys, they just, oh, God, wrong. Blah, 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 blah. You with me because they didn't hear the voice, they didn't understand the Son of Man had to be lifted up. There's a lot of people today that don't understand what was happening through a seventh angel message that there was a mighty angel that's come down, and his foot is on the land and on the sea, and he has an open book in his hand. There's a lot of people that don't understand what's I talking about to them. It's a terrible day. What's gonna happen today? What they don't they still don't know what's gonna happen today. Understand what I'm talking about? They got an election going on. They don't have a clue what's going to happen. Don't go all check your phones now. We got no idea. And it's okay that way because they didn't hear the voice. Yeah. To them, that's the best they got. Yeah. They're glued to their screen, they're glued to their phone, they're glued for some kind of news. Is my guy going to win? Is this going to happen? Is that going to happen? What's going to take place? Is the riot going to destroy the streets? Is everything going to, oh my goodness, the militias and all these things? It's going to be terrible. I mean, it's all prophesied. But they didn't hear the voice. But to them who heard the voice, why they're not down there, look at all that. But rather their, their vision is changed because to them it's just a calling saying, look up. Your redemption draws nigh. Amen. Go with me to Exodus chapter 17. Exodus chapter seventeen. This is where they fight and fight the Amalekites. Let's jump in at, at verse twelve, if you will, Sister Ruth. It says, but Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands one on one side and one on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the years of Joshua. For I will utterly put out of remembrance put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nissi. For he said, because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Now here, Jehovah begins to introduce himself as Jehovah Nissi. He is our victory. He is our banner. And now it is interesting to me that Moses as he begins to write this as a memorial, he begins to say, "He's Jehovah Nissi, and we will praise him. He's our banner because that he will have war, not because we can all just go to sleep and everything's wonderful, but because there will be war with Amalek from generation unto generation." He's our banner from generation unto generation. So all those that will trust in him, they'll have victory, but he says those that get out from underneath that banner. Jehovah Nisi, our banner in a time of war. Even though the battle goes on, but it also says as we read it in Isaiah chapter 59 that it says the word that I've put in thy mouth shall not depart from thy mouth. Nor from the mouth of thy seed. Nor from the mouth of thy seed, seed. In other words, though there'll be war from generation to generation, I've raised up a standard from generation to generation. And it's the same standard all the way along. It's the same word of God just continually opening and opening and opening to combat the enemy. The battle's not ours. He says it's the Lord's. He doesn't say because the Israelites will have war with Amalek for generation to generation. He says the Lord will have war. The Lord will have war. That's when we start losing wars. When we start fighting wars. Amen. This is actually a lot where I'm going with young people in a couple weeks. So here you go young people. When we start fighting the battle and think we can do it, we can overcome, that's when we lose. And don't worry, the devil, oh, he's a he's a shrewd one. He'll let you win for a season or he'll think you're winning. Just to get you high enough so it hurts more when you fall. Because the battle's not yours, it's the Lord's. You've got to get under that banner. Which what is the banner? The banner is the love of God so that you can look at things under the eye through the eyes of Jehovah. Hallelujah. If you keep looking at your trials and your circumstances through your eyes, it's always negative. It always hurts and you always wonder why. Because through your eyes you think, I don't know what I did to deserve this. Or you take the other way around and say, yep, I deserve this. And then you just beat yourself lower and lower. I deserve this. I've been such a terrible person. I deserve this. But that's you trying to fight the battle or trying to understand what's happening. When the reality, so the Lord said, I'll have war with them. In other words, I'm the one here that's starting this ball rolling. I've already defeated. I've already defeated him. I've already defeated him. I'm the one that's already died on the cross. And I'm the one that's already paid for every promise in that book. I'm the one that's already brought it to pass. All you have to do is trust in it. What did I read? There was three things, right? Be sincere, study the word, and receive it. Hallelujah. His spirit raises the banner. Take the omnipotent word and stand. Just watch the miraculous take place in your life. Because when omnipotence speaks, the miraculous follows. In modern events made clear by prophecy, Brother Branham gets right down to the end of the, of the message, he begins to say, if you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, if you have need for a rededication, a new life, your pastor will not despise you. He'll love you for it. Hallelujah. Just give yourself completely to God tonight. While you're here, I know it's been hard, cutting, strange. I I, I don't do that to be mean. He says, I do that to be honest. I do it because I love you. I love God. I do it to try and help you. And truly, friend, with all my heart, with all my life, with all my faith, I believe that my message comes from God. It's been proving that to you through the years. He says, now listen, tonight surrender with everything you've got. He's right down at the end of his ministry. It's 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 events made clear by prophecy in December sixth of nineteen sixty five. And he says, Of all that has been proven to you, he says, Listen, surrender everything. Everything that you, that you have need of, I believe it with the true surrendered heart. If you will just stand on your feet and raise your hands to God and say, Dear God, here I am. Take me. No more will I use my own mind and my own interpretation. Your word says I must be holy. I must be born again. I must be filled with the Spirit. And then the Spirit will lead me to all the truth. Hallelujah. He says, Would you do that much? If you do that much... Just raise your hand and say, I'm willing. Amen. Right down at the, end of his ministry, at the end of his ministry, he said, just surrender. Just give it all to God. Make sure you're born again. Make sure what you receive was not just your new spirit. Yeah. I was listening to the message, the interveil today. and Brother Ben lays it out so beautifully. He says, you know, sometimes we get that way because it just really helped me because I've been there. I got there, I really thought I had the Holy Spirit, but what I was, was I got a new spirit. I got something that could agree with God, but at the time, his spirit didn't come into me because there were still some things that I was still battling and I didn't understand and I could not overcome. And the victory just wasn't there yet, even though I had received my new spirit. You're going through my whole testimony if you want. yeah, I'm already taking up all my time. (laughs) But what is it I I just found in my own relationship with God, I came to a place where God come and just cleaned everything out. Brother Barnum says, he gives you a new spirit, he says, so that it would agree with his spirit, so that if he would ever give you his spirit, see, because the Holy Spirit, that's for the bride. So you watch that when you receive that spirit, you stay there. Stay in that presence till He gives you His Holy Spirit. Don't just walk away. and say, oh, I feel better. No, stay in the presence of God. Make sure. I have to preach this straight. Make sure you know you've been born again. Make sure you know His Spirit is in you. Make sure you know that when you speak, it's not you speaking anymore. For the redeemed. The redeemed are not just living in another outpouring of the Spirit. We're living in the miraculous. The Red's been preaching on that scripture and I've been trying to stay away from it, but Hebrews chapter 12, what have we come to? We've come to Mount Zion. This message is not just another move of the Spirit and a sweep of the Holy Spirit across to revive the people again. This is to bring us to Mount Zion, to bring us to the new Jerusalem, to bring us to the church of the firstborn, to bring us into his image. It was more than just a move of the Holy Spirit. It was Jesus himself come down. Go with me to Psalms chapter 60. We'll just hammer this down a little bit. Psalm chapter 60 and verse 1 says, Go God, thou cast us off and thou hast scattered us. Thou hast been displeased. Turn thyself to us again. Thou hast made the earth to tremble. Thou hast broken it. Heal the the breaches thereof for it shaketh. Thou hast shown thy people hard things. Thou hast made us to drink the wine of astonishment. Thou hast given a banner to them that fear thee that it may be displayed because of the truth. Hallelujah. Display, speak the truth in love. The only way to display that banner is by the truth of Jesus Christ because the truth is not just a book. The truth is a person. The banner of love is on display because it's Jesus Christ in you living it out. How come I can't just get through to love people? You need the life of Christ in you to love your enemy. It says, that my beloved may be delivered. Save with thy right hand and hear me. God hath spoken in his holiness. I will rejoice. Oh my I will divide Shechem, meet out the valley of Sukkoth. Gilead is mine. Manasseh is mine. Ephraim also is the strength of my mine. Hand. Judah is my lawgiver. Moab is my washpot. <laughs> Hallelujah. God didn't forget about them. Oh, when it come down to his people, he had a lot of good things to say. They're mine. That's my lawgiver. That's the strength of mine head. Oh yeah, Moab, that's my washpot. Oh, Edom, I cast out my shoe. Will I, uh, Edom, over Edom, will I cast out my shoe? Philistia, triumph thou because of me. <laughs> they think they got it in control. The only reason any president can win is because God puts them there. Yeah. So who will bring me into the strong city? Who will lead me into Edom? Will thou, O oh God, which has cast us off, will thou, O oh God, which does which not go out with our enemies give us help from trouble for vain is the help of man though God through God we shall do valiantly for he it is that shall tread down our enemies how am I going to overcome this trial he it is that will tread down our enemies Oh my, how are we going to get over these demons that have been released and all these things that are going out and the fear that's over the man, over the, the, the mankind and all kinds of things. How are we going to win? He will tread down our enemies. It's not our fight. But I says, let any man or woman any, any divine promise of God, when omnipotence speaks from the Bible, the miraculous will take place where that seed root in the heart of a man or woman. It'll produce just exactly what it promised is because it's the word of the omnipotent it has to. Hallelujah. In other words, you look at these things that Brother Bradham would take it and say, you take Isaiah 53 where it says, by his stripes I'm healed. And you take that and you let that go down as a seed in the root of your heart. Tomorrow you might be worse. But a seed has to go down and die into the ground so it can bring forth what it intended to bring forth. Hallelujah. It's not always just that we just speak and a miracle happens, everything's wonderful. Divine healing isn't just an incident, it's a process. It's a planting of a seed that comes and faith gets mixed in with that seed and it brings forth the healing. Stay there with that seed. Amen. Hallelujah. As Brother Benham says, Mine, when you get that spirit, when you get that new spirit of yours, he said, just keep watering. When you get the Holy Spirit in you, just keep watering. Amen. Don't get out and say, well, I got it now. Praise the Lord. That's wonderful. But keep in the Word. Keep watering it with the Word of God. You've got to stay under the banner. Hallelujah. A little bit more time. Brother Adam says this and. The message The junction of time. 56, he says, And the Bible said, The first great impersonator would rise up, or the final, the great final impersonator would rise up yonder and sit on seven hills. He would wear a triple crown. He would give power and have power, insomuch to make fire come down from heaven. Come down out of heaven. In the presence of the people, he would do all that. All that in the last days. Now, that might get a little more deceiving for a lot of people. I'll leave that. He says, but he would do that in the last days, all that in the last days. He says, but now how? That they would stand and impersonate people bowing at shrines of dead people and everything and rubbing bones and everything. He said, but they're rub- while they're rubbing bones and bowing to shrines, Omnipotent speaks and miraculous takes place. And they say, it's a bunch of nonsense. But the church is growing. It says, great revivals are all over the country. Signs and wonders are going everywhere. Angels are appearing to people. Signs and wonders are here. What is it, friend? We're at the end time. We're at the junction. Lift up your head. Your redemption draweth nigh. Amen. So, that was he's saying. There's a junction of time you're happening. This is right at the beginning of 1956 when he came back and began to preach, and America rejected the gospel. But he says, We're now at this junction of time, and what's happening with this junction of time? He says, And it shall come to pass that in the last days I'll pour out my spirit. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, prophets promised. Your young men will see visions, I'll show wonders. In the heavens above, flying saucers and everything. Great distress. The earth will be shaken with diverse Big earthquakes will, will be coming and great volcanics will take place. The great terrible distress between the world. The nations will be trying to find peace with a knife behind their back. So there will be trouble in everything, everywhere. All these things and men will grow worse and worse. This is 1956. Where is that today? It says, that when the enemy comes in like a flood, I'll raise up a standard against it, the Spirit of God. The junction time, the end of the road. It says, Africa's roaring with big healing meetings. I thought that was fitting. Right now, Africa's roaring with great salvation meetings. Amen. But he says, and signs and wonders appearing all around the world, everywhere, what is it? The junction time, the end time. He says, horseless carriages are jostling through the broadway, all these different things. He said, the daughters of Zion, how they dress and walk, how that homosexuals and different things would appear, perversion, man would be going over a strong delusion. And all such things as that, how they would be heady, high minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God, truth breakers, false accusers. I, I, I just always marvel at that. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. It doesn't say by a huge margin. And it doesn't say they don't love God of some degree in their own mind. But it says more than. The ram uses the example of the, of the Methodist woman that was the piano player in the church. And she married this one man that, that had Experience with God and then but she's seen the other people, they went to this other church. She's seen the other people they dressed this way and they did these kinds of things. Pretty soon she began to dress that way. Then she left her husband, married this other one, broke up this other home. Then she went out and she ended up living in common law, and then she ended up smoking and getting cancer. And she ended up, she was on her deathbed, and it was the one where remember she's crying out, I'm lost, I'm lost. At the end chances of her life. And as I was listening to that, even today, I begin to realize. You know, there's people today because we're living this close to the time. I truly believe there's people today that will not have that deathbed moment because there'll be a rapture when you come and jostle the church door, so to speak, and they realize, "I'm lost. I'm lost." There won't be a deathbed sinking and a moment of realization and a moment of, "Oh God, let me repent. Let me come to you." It's too late. I don't say those things to scare you. I say that to make you sincere in your heart. It says, in some of these days, my brother, my dear brother, Jesus will come, and those who are hammering away in what they call fanaticism today and believing in the old-fashioned gospel of Jesus, the omnipotent speaking, the miraculous taking place, he said, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they'll cast out devils, speak with new tongues, take up serpents, drink any deadly thing, it won't harm them. If they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. These things that I do, so will you. I'll be with you even in you. When you see these things begin to appear, don't get scared. Just lift up your eyes. Lift up your head. Behold, your redemption is drawing nigh. Oh, some glorious day. I'll just close with this quote. I said I wouldn't keep you long, so I'll close with this. If the musicians even want to come. It says, some glorious day. Oh, we who were once dead in sins and trespasses. What happened? Omnipotence spoke. Was it the preacher? No. It was the word of God begin to come forth. The word of God spoke. He says we were going to hell but omnipotence spoke. We've raised from hell to glory and someday we'll eat the banquet supper at the last day. Omnipotence speaks. God's word is omnipotent. We believe it and have raised from death unto life. He that heareth my words and believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Omnipotence. He says, We're like Noah building away on an ark. The miraculous will take place someday when the rapture comes and Jesus comes. We're at the junction now. Think about that for a moment. He says, We're like Noah. Building away on an ark, he just kept building away. People were laughing at him, laughing at him, laughing at him, telling him crazy, calling him all kinds of things. You know, we have a, a little of a Bible story and drama that we've listened to many a times. And they were all gathered around, laughing at him because here this boat was finally built and it was pitched within and without. And here's Moses preaching, and he's, he's or Moses Noah preaching, and he's he's calling for the people to repent and come into the ark and. And they're all just laughing away, but also everything grows dark, it grows silent. Because there's just these birds begin to come. And all these animals start coming in, and people are looking around, going,
1: What in the world?
0: Who's, who's hurting these? Who's hurting the lions? Good luck with that. God's doing it. Who's causing all these birds to come? Who's causing the elephants to come? Who's causing these ones to come? God was causing them to come. And God in his grace even caused the snakes to come. He caused them all to come and get in the ark. And then all of the silence began to happen. They begin to wonder. Maybe. But it was too late at that time. When all of them got in there, then all of a sudden the, the door began to close. And Noah was in the ark for so long, I can't remember how many days he was in the ark exactly, but he was in the ark there before it even started raining. Hallelujah. He says, We're like Noah, just staying with the truth, staying under that banner. Everybody making fun, saying, Don't you see Jesus ain't coming? Look, you guys all in this way still? You still talking this way? Oh, what, what is this? It's never gonna happen. Yeah, until things begin to take place. till you begin to see signs begin to happen, wonders begin to happen, and all of a sudden they start to wander. Maybe. But then it's too late. Rapture's done taking place. We're at a junction now, he says, when you see these things happen, lift up your head. Hallelujah. One of these days, we'll just take a flight. These words that I've put in your mouth, they will not depart. These words that Jesus has spoken, don't let them ever depart. Let this be what comes. Stay under the banner. Let's stand to our feet. He brought me to his banqueting table. We sing that song. His banner over me is love.
1: He brought me to his banqueting table. His banner over me is love. He brought me to his banqueting table. His banner over me is love. He brought me to his banqueting table. His banner over me is love. Oh, He set straight past before my feet, his banner over me Ooh is love. He set straight past before my, my feet, his banner over me is love. He set straight past before my feet, his banner. I want you we
0: always know that quote we like it, I think he mentioned it three times when two omnipotents meet you know Brother Bam talks about that, when two omnipotents meet, it's like 10,000 volts come together on the enemy anything is possible but as I was reading through this today, I began to realize the spirit of God is omnipotent that's the spirit you've received. The word of God is omnipotent. You see, but they're one and the same. They absolutely are. They agree in one. And when they meet, anything's possible. You don't got to go and meet an angel one day or meet Jesus Christ in the flesh. No, just take him at his word. Let the Spirit of God through you just take God at His Word. When two omnipotence meet anything is possible. Amen. We me sing that last verse together. I am my beloved's
1: and He is mine. I am my beloved's and He is mine. His banner over me is love. Where well, I am my beloved's and He is mine. His banner over me His love, I am my beloved's and he is mine, his banner over me is love, his banner.